I know I usually save my secrets for the end of the episode, but I'm going to tell you my secret favorite candy. It's Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. It's really Reese's anything, but Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the thing that I'm like, have I had a bad day? I get these. Have I had a good day? I get these. Chocolate, salty peanut butter, the textures. I love everything about them. Also that there's two. So I'm like, oh, I get this one for later, which is one second later. Anyway, Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. I love you. That's all. If you're me, you can shop Reese's Peanut Butter Cups now at a store near you. Found wherever candy is sold. And I am. Hey, Fidelity. How can I remember to invest every month? With the Fidelity app, you can choose a schedule and set up recurring investments in stocks and ETFs. Huh. That sounds easier than I thought. You got this. Yeah, I do. Now, where did I put my keys? You will find them where you left them. Investing involves risk, including risk of loss. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE SIPC. Oh, hey, it's that squirrel staring at you through the window because you're late with the peanuts today. Allie Ward, back with an extremely digital episode of Ologies. Allie, you say, downward. We love snail funerals and coyote ghosts and mushroom gonads. But let's bump this into the age of the World Wide Web, shall we? So we are. Today, I get my head out of the annals of dusty natural history books, into the ones, into the zeros, and into the head of a genius programmer and designer and entrepreneur. But first, a few thanks, of course, to the folks on Patreon for supporting the show and sending in questions to Ask the Ologist. A dollar a month gets you into that club. And thank you to everyone who has been quarantine binging and telling friends and family and subscribing and rating. And of course, the reviews. They keep me going on days when I feel so lonely, uh, such as this week's Spotlight on School Ain't So Bad, who wrote, oh, hey, it's that guy with a PhD who dropped a green bean on the floor, but then shoved it into his beer to sanitize it, but then couldn't figure out how to retrieve it. I simply want everyone to know that you should make this podcast your weekly go-to because it is a great way to remind yourself that even if you have a PhD, you can still find questions you've never thought of and learn things that you never wanted to know. This podcast is the bean in my beer. So thank you, School Ain't So Bad. That was a very nice review. Uh, Buckle up to hear your old dad out of her comfort zone and into the matrix. So architectural technology, I know you are definitely thinking that this is an episode about how arches are built or glass buildings with solar panel windows. I know, but watch out. That is not it at all, at all. So archy means having or conceived of is having a single unified overall design. And texture comes from the Greek for chief weaver or builder. And then technology is also from the Greek, meaning art or craft, coming from weave. So the tech and architect and technology are the same tech. So architectnology, you'll hear more on that. Now, okay, I don't know beans about programming. And when things start to get over the average, or in my case, below average person's head, I'm going to stop and just clue us all in for a second just to get up to speed so no one's left behind. Also, I made this episode kid-friendly just because we need the youth to solve all of our problems. Thank you in advance for doing that. Now, this ologist is just about to become your new hero. At 14, he got the Presidential Scholar Award from a guy named Barack Obama. And at the age when most of us are just sweating over getting our learner's permit, he was working on data analysis for Twitter and with Instagram and Snapchat. Still in his teens, he was pioneering autonomous driving systems, and he's worked for SpaceX, he's spoken at TEDx, he has created the user experience for Nipsey Hussle's smart store, Marathon Clothing, and just in 2020 alone, he's collaborated with Prada, Versace, Travis Scott, and Fenty, 
He launched an augmented reality visual studio called Spatial Labs and is the designer for Snoop Dogg's new retail store. He's also releasing an EP of his own. Dude is busy and he's awesome. I was very lucky to be introduced by our mutual agents at WME. So hi, Travis, and hi, Matthew. And then for the week leading up to this interview, I just had knots in my stomach about how cool he was and how little I understood about programming and just what to ask him. But he is as patient and as gracious as a genius could possibly be. And we chatted all about the value of hands-on tinkering and different programming languages and what they do and how to start coding at any age, advice he gives kiddos and grown-ups, and being part of technological movements, how he's worked with everyone from Kanye to Rihanna and more, what the future will look like, and why being flexible and collecting varied life experiences is the key to excellence. So cozy up and get ready for your mind to be blown and your heart to be warmed by architectural technologist Idris Sandu. For you, I imagine a lot of your stuff can be done on a computer, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, for me, work has always been about being digital. And even though we have an office, you know, it's really been about like, you know, I just the comfort of like having an in-home office and a studio. And I mean, I mean, I do everything here from software developing mm-hmm. uh, to architectural fixture like you know I, I do a lot of prefab architecture so creating the concepts here 3d printing them there's a cnc machine in here there's like all these different machines so we just constantly keep the creative juices flowing p.s speaking of juggling several different intricate tech projects and creative juices i asked him how much coffee he has to drink to handle it all he told me he doesn't even drink coffee this man is just naturally turbocharged okay Let's get right into it. And how would you define an architectural technologist for someone who doesn't know? Yeah, so um, architectural technologist um, or more more like, you know, important like digital architect Mm -hmm. is really this like term that I coined around, um, you know, applying the concepts, the ideations and the design thinking uh, that goes into, you know, architecture. And applying those to enhancing, enriching, and scaling digital systems, right? So it's about understanding like Dita Ram's 10 principles of design, you know, Zaha Hadid's like principles or Mark Newsom or Johnny Ive or even like, you know, Bauhaus, right? Mm-hmm. Taking these elements of design and applying them to uh, create efficient systems around digital infrastructure <laughs> that's like the you know way that i could break it down to people they see the vision but once they like have th- those conversations and it gets deeper it makes total sense <laughs> that list of designers side note include visionaries who have made fluid sloping opera houses to elegantly minimalist German buildings to knighted designers and the minds behind everything from rounded lounge chairs to the Apple Watch. Now, Idris mentioned the 10 Principles of Design by Dieter Rams, which I will list very quickly for context for this episode. Good design is innovative. Good design makes a product useful. Good design is aesthetic. Good design makes a product understandable. Good design is unobtrusive. Good design is honest. Good design is long-lasting. Good design is thorough. 
down to the last detail. Good design is environmentally friendly, and good design is as little design as possible. So, less is more. Something to consider before adding a bunch of glittering clip art and Comic Sans headers to your web pages. Clutter be gone. And what what do architecture and digital landscapes have in common? Is there something about like a user experience of it being clean but big, but navigable, but complex? Like how how would you kind of um, relate those two? Yeah. Well, I mean, technically, you know, I, when I use the word architect, I don't mean in the context of the noun, right? Mm-hmm. And as a noun, it's somebody that, um, you know, uh, assists, creates, or develops, um, you know, uh, using the skills of design, creates, builds, assembles, or supervises buildings and their construction, right? Architects. Um, and although I would love to be in that category, I have not you know, took the bar test for architecture. <laughs> and, you know, I never went to college, guys. If you look in the dictionary for the word architect in a dictionary, um, there's another definition. Mm-hmm. And as a verb, it's a process. It's a living thing, right? The, the the noun version, it confines you to a box. It puts you in this box of you are an architect. And in many cases, you're building either physical things or digital things, right? Architects don't always have to build physical systems. They can also build like virtual systems. Okay, quick aside. I looked this up and yep, Sure enough, architect is both a noun and a verb, and the verb is more common in the tech industry. Now, Idris defines it for those of us outside of those digital domains. As a verb, it's a process. It becomes a living thing. It becomes universal. It becomes water in itself because it teaches you that as a verb, it's the process of taking figments of an idea and making it into an actual product. And I fell in love with that definition of like, and I was like, every time I'm like, I'm a digital architect, not as a noun, but as a verb, because people need to understand the power in verbs being used to define what they do, right? Like, we live in this era of like people be like, oh, I'm a Taurus, I'm a Gemini, I'm an Aquarius, I'm an introvert, I'm an extrovert. I'm not a fighter, I'm a lover. All these boxes that we put ourselves in, and then mm-hmm. when the moment somebody calls us or puts us in a box, what's the first thing we say? Stop <laughs> trying to put me in a box. But <laughs> yeah. we, we put ourselves in the biggest talk. So yeah, that's what digital architecture really is to me. Like the the, the usage of architecture in a verb definition. I think the mm-hmm. similarities that tie everything back to each other, which I've which took me years at twenty two, took me years to learn. <laughs> um, was that what connects synchronous designs together? is the synchronicity between all forms of design is empathy, Mm. right? And I think that's one thing that architecture is a representation of. Architects, ironically, build either physical buildings or digital systems for everybody else but themselves. Architects are the equivalent of the doctors of the design world that Mm -hmm. find viruses and pathogens and all of these things of design, right? And create using certain elements and patterns and tessellations together to form whole buildings that can protect people and cause shelter. Like being an architect, whether the noun or a verb, it's the highest human achievement um, and that everyone can do it. But like the connections are in understanding that all elements of design together are precisely woven together, connected by one medium, and that's empathy. Wow. You know, it's funny because you, you say that and I think of all of the different scientists that I've interviewed um, in my work, and I always find that they usually start with a problem mm-hmm. and their science kind of revolves around a solution. Mm-hmm. And it never occurred to me that, yeah, at the root of that is empathy is, okay, mm-hmm. well, here's something that someone needs. And so I'll build it or I'll dream it up or I'll mm-hmm. fix it, you know? Um, 
And, you know, were you always a very empathetic kid? Were you kind of out like romping around and, and looking at bugs or were you more like a bookworm inside or when when did you become so curious? Oh, I think I have always been a curious kid. You know, I remember being six, seven, eight. You know, growing up, we were, uh, you know, financially deprived. But I'm very, very, very particular with words because words are frequencies. I prefer the term financially deprived instead of low income because mm -hmm. it low re relates to us, you know, a, a beneath level. Right. But it's just a lack of resources to be able to perform. So, yeah, we were just like financially deprived and uh, I would always like my mom would always have to buy new controllers because I would always break them and <laughs> you know just look at oh, okay cool these are what transistors are and I would look at a PCB board. P.S. PCB is a printed circuit board and no I have never taken one apart myself and yes I just had to look up what a PCB was. I'm not ashamed. I would look at it um, and reroute everything and connect this to the USB <laughs> and then take the USB to this. And then I remember this one time I created a, I took a remote and then I basically rerouted and reprogrammed uh, in Java the ability oh. for me to point that at our ceiling fan and I could change the speed of the fan, right? And so like, I, I had always been curious. You know, there was one time I, I programmed the light bulb to have a two simple digits, a zero and a one node. And uh, when it was in its zero state, it was off. When it was in its one state, it was on. <laughs> and that moment was when I just knew that this is what I was meant to do. The curiosity of understanding how things work and more importantly, including this this common theme that would forever be you know in my life digital alchemy which is the reusability of products once you know it's it's the way that it's been designed to use once that is depleted being able to repurpose things to form things completely new so yeah so like answer your question i'd always been creative i mean i can't remember a time when i wasn't creative but every single thing even to this day that i create is not for me it's about the people around me and um the i mean growing up in ghana for a little bit and you know um growing up in compton and moving to harbor city and being around you know every type of person from different communities Everything that has woven my work and even in my DNA has been around using that curiosity not to create inventions, right? Mm -hmm. Inventions are like a blatant form of ego, whether people realize them or not. Innovation is truth. Innovation is humility. And, and an invention starts with you wanting to create something for the sole purpose of it satisfying your needs or your immediate surroundings. Innovation is about creating things to help the masses. That's the true test of humility. Oh, <laughs> so always, really cu always curious. <laughs> and you know, when did you go from you know hardware and taking apart controllers and changing their frequency and um, into coding and into kind of software? Like when did you make make that jump? Okay, so there's two people, right? There's two mm -hmm. people that inspired me. One is one is fictional, and the other is non-fictional. Okay. Steve Jobs. Hello, I am Macintosh. Mm -hmm. Tony Stark. I am Iron Man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, till date, um, you know, uh, Tony Stark. You know, like, because that was that was my Howard Hughes. That was my Nikola Tesla. That was my Steve Jobs. Even because he set the bar for me in terms of what could be created. Because it it never really was created. It's mm -hmm. it's, it's not real, and that allowed my imagination to be very fueled. But to answer your question about like before all of this, what got me into coding? I remember watching the keynote 
right? The Steve Jobs keynote of of him um, in 2007, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you pulling it up? <laughs> yes, yeah, so I can show you this. Like, you know, it's like, so I can let you know what Mark, about, I think, like, eight minutes in. Okay. In 2007, the first iPhone presentation, Steve Jobs said something that the rest of the world at that time might not have been, might not have noticed because they were just thinking about the product. Mm-hmm. Steve Jobs took a quote from a very popular, uh, I, I, I would consider him an anthropologist, a teacher, a guider, a, t- a phila- philanthropist, Alan Kay. Are you familiar with him? Alan no. Kay. He's huge in the, uh, he, he, was, he was very fundamental towards like the early stages of Apple and stuff. He's, mm-hmm. a, uh, he's a just like super cool. He took a quote from Alan Kay that said, People who are really serious about software should make their own hardware. To build your own hardware, build your own software that was the quote (laughs) and that (laughs) went over so many people's heads but that was the birthing place that or that was the mark that signified the birth of apple as we know it today from a perspective of creating their own hardware and controlling the own software Mm -hmm. right and i saw that from my early age and as i would age i realized how every brand started to assimilate in that same way you're able to control the narrative around whatever it is that you're pu- uh, you're pushing if you're the platform owner. Yeah. So from a very young age, I always wanted to be a platform owner. I wanted to think about, yes, I want to build software. And I got I started learning how to code, in fact, at the age of 11 and went to a library for almost two years straight, only missed three days. Oh, my God. Um, and learned everything. And I saw the differences when I was in Compton, I was reading legacy programming languages. Okay, I wasn't sure if legacy was the actual name of a programming language, so I had to look it up and wow, okay, no. So a legacy language, as opposed to a modern one, is older and usually not the base for today's coding, but it's really important to know because new technology sometimes has to interact with a legacy language that may be the base for other programs. Also. Please pardon this aside up top, but I just want to get some programming basics just out of the way for context so no one feels lost. And also, full disclosure, because I needed to look it up to understand it also. I'm going to go quick. So first off, machine language is chattering via binary code. So ones and zeros, and those are expressed via tens of thousands of transistors that flip on and off to relay those ones and zeros. Now, a programming language is a way for us to tell those ones and zeros how to behave and what to accomplish for us. So just remember, the task of a thousand steps begins with a single beep boop. Life is just a series of tiny beep boops that can change the world. Now, some of the first programming, trivia alert, was around the year 800 in modern day Baghdad and involved an automata, which was a programmable steam flute. Priorities, gotta get those flute jams in. Now, in the 1700s, we had punch cards that helped operate jacquard textile looms. And in 1843, Ada Lovelace, a writer and mathematician, who is also the daughter of poet Lord Byron, wrote an algorithm to calculate Bernoulli numbers, which are a sequence of rational numbers that occur often in number theory. Anyway, some of the first computers in NASA's history were women. 
crunching numbers behind the scenes to figure out flight paths and fuel needs, and programming the first electronic general-purpose digital computer for the U.S. Army in the 1940s. Fast-forwarding to the last couple of decades, let's have a very brief simplification of what a programming language is. It essentially means how plain text, or what's called source code, is formatted and written to tell the machine how to flip those transistors, making all those ones and zeros, to get stuff done. And some older legacy programming languages are COBOL, aka Common Business Oriented Language, which has been around since the late 1950s. Fortran is casual for formula translation. It's also from the 50s. There's RPG, which was developed by IBM in 1960. C has been around since 1969, and it's the foundation of languages like C++ and Java and C Sharp. Perl has been around since the late 1980s and gained traction doing CGI graphics, and it's open source, meaning you can futz with it and modify it. So anyway, thank you for bearing with that history and context. Idris was at the library at the age of 11, feeding his hungry brain with legacy programming languages, as one does. You know, I was looking at like mainframe, IBM, like Lisa. I was looking at like all these different, you know, uh, scratch, um, you know, basic assembly. Very, very low level. Okay, so low level, like easy? High level programming is actually low and low is actually high. Okay, so when I did I'm not actually, know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so when, I'm, when, I, when I say low level programming, I'm in the kernel. I'm learning about the machine language, right? Of how computers not interpret data, data, but really process information. There's like different forms of computer language processing. Some, some are, it's, it's just a lot. Like there's interpreted languages, there is machine language, there's like a whole bunch of different ones. But mm-hmm. Then I just started going to the library and read and read and read and ironic, well, not ironically, but to the universe and God's grace, I would end up meeting a Google engineer that happened to be there that day and um, saw me reading my books. And like that was really the start for me um, in this Mm -hmm. space. But yeah, it's I mean, it really started with just seeing the possibility of, you know, are you a huge like Marvel fan? Okay, I was already clueless about programming. But now I also had to admit that I'm like a weird old lady who has not seen a lot of superhero movies. But somehow he was perfectly kind and gracious about it so much that it almost made me cry, to be honest. No judgment. <laughs> no judgment at all. <laughs> no judgment. <laughs> no, don't worry about it. You you have a whole lifetime. You know, you're, you're only, like, no, like, I'm not even being ironic right now. You're still young. Like, you yeah. have a lot of time to, like, watch it. But in the first, you know, Iron Man, there's a scene of, like, you know, Obadiah, who was, like, you know, the villain in the first movie, like, pressing the scientists, like, they're like, yeah, we tried it, but we can't. He's like, Tony Stark built this in a cave, right? <laughs> and then the dude, like, well, I'm sorry, sir. I'm not Tony Stark. You know, it's like, and I think that ability for him to build anything, anywhere, at any place is what gave me the push in a very digital way, right? The mm-hmm. digital architecture. Tony Stark instilled the digital design thinking in my mind, and Steve Jobs, or he instilled the physical design thinking in my life. Mm-hmm. All right. So, like, these are very two similar yet different people. Um, but yeah, it was ultimately around like watching the Apple keynote and at the same time discovering because Iron Man also came out in 2007, by the way. You oh, did it? Mean? I didn't realize that. <laughs> so it's like these people together are literally like <laughs> <laughs> shaping my design thinking process and everything for years to come. Idris was nine in 2007. 
I still have pants from 2007 that I wear, like legacy bootcut, baby. But yes, he got started really early, learning to code at 11, and by chance, meeting a Google designer while studying at the library. And now you, I know that you were in the library, you're studying code. You were, what, maybe 13 at the time? And you started interning for Google? Yes. Various points in my life, I was being allowed to be in spaces that I normally wouldn't have been in, right? So me being a 13-year-old kid with somebody that, you know, believed in me so much and saw what I was doing to let me have an opportunity to see how things actually worked. Mm -hmm. And being able to go into the Google building and go in and see how ideas then went to the drawing board and the drawing board then went to the designers at that time. Like UI, UX wasn't as big as it is now, you know, mm-hmm. so it was like the, you know, the interface designers. Um, and then from there, it going to like the programmers and the programmers working with the marketing team and the marketing team distributing the app that was built. It was, I just got to see so much and I was like, oh, wow. It was like being in Willy Wonka's factory. <laughs> and I was like, wow, this is how it works. I want to create this. How did you like the chocolate factory, Charlie? I think it's the most wonderful place in the whole world. And that would basically shape my whole life around ownership. I started with ownership. I started by watching Steve Jobs unveil the first iPhone and Tony Stark, you know, wanting to own his Iron Man tech and not give it to the Pentagon. Mm -hmm. Like seeing these two parallel stories informed every single time, everything about me. And one thing that I practice a lot is vertical integration, right? Mm -hmm. Now, vertical integration is a form of business in which a business owner or entity controls the whole product life cycle of their creation, Mm -hmm. right? That's what Apple does, right? So let me like break it like back uh, to what I was saying by the, the reason why throughout this whole interview, the Alan Kay to build your own hardware and make your own software mm-hmm. is going to make so much sense, right? Yeah. So Apple as a company has a multitude of different devices, right? Now for every one of those devices that they have, there's an integrated operating system that they created for each of those products, mm-hmm. right? So if you have an Apple Watch, it runs what? Watch OS. Mm-hmm. If you have an iPhone, it runs iOS, If you, which they own. These uh-huh. two, which they own. If you have a Mac computer, you're running Mac OS, which they also own. And if you have a TV, it runs what? Apple TV, ATV, exactly. AOS. Right? Okay, cool. <laughs> Maybe I just got lucky. Maybe I just got lucky with that. You know, that, that that's maybe just a coincidence, even though I said, you know, I did four different comparisons. Let's keep going. All yeah. right, <laughs> let's look at Google. Google's phones run what? Android. Their TVs run Android TV. Their cars run Android Auto and their watches run Android Wear. But now let's talk about like virtual assistants. Alexa is owned by Amazon. Apple owns Siri. IBM has Watson. (laughs) Google has Google Assistant. So (laughs) they've all vertically integrated their companies in plain sight in a way that people haven't like, it's like a case of CSI and you're drawing like all the red lines between (laughs) all the different points of, you know, origin or whatever. So with that in my blood and with that understanding that Steve Jobs and Tony Stark, one fictional, one non-fictional instilled, that's why everything always came down to me. So when you uh, ask your, I to give that preface before answering your question in regards to how does that light bulb moment go to an actual product for you know for for like me and it goes with understanding that 
if I know I'm not in a position to work on an immediate solution to an issue or a problem that I can't vertically integrate, or at least for the most part, vertically integrate within my own immediate surroundings, I don't deem it as a priority for me. So, you know, because I I divide things I do into two states, right? There's, I came up with this term called aspirational necessitation. Now, aspirational necessitation you, you just simply means or taking the 95% of design thinking that's usually attributed for 5% of products in the world and applying it to the 95% of the products, meaning the kids that graduate school and have the best ideas to come back and fully sustain and develop our communities and scale them the way they need to get poached by big companies so they never have an opportunity to. If you look around you, you would notice that the products that are aspirational, the stuff you do not need, are the most highly priced and are the in fact the most beautiful design things that you you can lay your eyes on wow. whereas the products that are a necessity in your to you roadblocks street signs pedestrian buttons you know uh parking meters mm-hmm. all of these things are designed very very poorly and with very little design thinking and in fact the moment that these systems are installed they're already depreciating in value right whereas on your phone if you really think about it it appreciates in value. Why? Because there's software updates. So why haven't we designed city infrastructure and things that are a necessity around us with the same thing? Could you imagine all these tech companies, Tesla, General Motors, uh, Hyundai, uh, Toyota, making new cars all the time, Mm -hmm. making a car be smaller, faster, more efficient, but no one is thinking about the road on which the car is drive to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that hasn't yeah. <laughs> been changed. How about we just make efficient more roads, right? So aspirational necessitation, making the things that we all use as nice as the things only 5% of people can afford. Can you imagine that world of just beautiful efficiency? And then it gets into this conversation of like, well, do is you know, do people actually want that or is it something we just say we want to see better design we want to see this and then you start to realize the thin line between aspirational and necessity so yeah like for me it's like i divide things into two parts products that are aspirational and products that are a necessity and the necessity products are the things that i'm mostly focused on but then again i think about how far can i vertically integrate those ideas if i have an app that, for example, tells people on their phone, like, you know, when COVID-19 or when there's a surge in their area, mm-hmm. if I can't design it from my home and then build it and then distribute it all from my home, then I probably won't work on it. <laughs> <laughs> so I vertically integrate everything. <laughs> but that's my design. I know that was a long answer, but. No, you know that's I mean? amazing. <laughs> uh, have there been any projects that you've worked on that you've really kind of, um, you felt like you've grown a lot having worked on them. Were there any projects that you feel like uh, taught you a lot as you did as you did them? Uh, I would most likely uh, say either my collaboration with Nipsey Hussle back in mm-hmm. 2017. Okay, quick side note for those who aren't familiar. Nipsey Hussle, LA-born rapper and activist who also started the Marathon Clothing Store, the first smart store of its kind that offered consumers special digital experiences in the store and unlocked extras with their purchases of Crenshaw shirts and victory lap snapback caps. And Idris explains how that collaboration came to be, and he backs up a step to describe the project that he was working on when he met Nipsey. Or the way I have to phrase this now is 
a software that I built called ACDI, Autonomous Collision Detection Interface, that I pitched and had several meetings with Uber about. But I have this sensor right in front of me here that, um, you know, we, we're now refining. We're like at version 5.0. We've designed our own chip under a company called Spatial Labs that I uh, started. I was creating this system that would basically, using machine learning, we would be able to detect a driver's hand position in a car. And it cognitively would learn about how you drove and uh, one, assist you in driving. Mm -hmm. So the device can capture frames at up to 300 to 400 frames per second using infrared light. Wow. It would be able to get your hand position in the car in milliseconds and be able to do evasive maneuvers around it. So let's just say you were texting and driving, but in a very like lay, layman's or, or base way, it would be able to do a 50-50% distribution. So you're driving, you'd start texting, you're looking up and down, the car engages and knows that you're in a texting mode. And so it would assist you with driving. If you immediately let your hands go off of the car, it would engage full autonomy. Um, and the moment that you put it back on the wheel, it would let you like control it again. Wow. So this system would not only automate the driving, but figure out when you need help, like a perfect significant other who knows when to swoop in and bring you a cookie and when to leave you alone. Yeah, so the software, after I created it, I was like, you know what? I had this ultimate epiphany about just something that was coming and especially with ownership as it related to especially a lot of people of color and minorities, Africans, you know, like just in general. Mm -hmm. And I was like, the youth aren't given the necessary skill sets because I went to a public school to be able to create on the level that I did. Remember that while the rest of us were going to bat mitzvahs and growing our first wisps of a mustache, Idris's profound curiosity led him behind the Google Fortress walls at 13. Mm -hmm. to, I, to me, it's the equivalent of like going in and working for the greatest fashion houses. And it's like mm -hmm. painting the Sistine Chapel and then not and no one else can do it because you have the skill sets on how to build it. It's like having the answers to how the pyramids were built, but you're the only person that knows how to do it. So mm -hmm. I wanted to get more youth and younger kids, especially of color, to get into technology. And the only reason or only way I could do that is if it was if I made technology cool. Mm -hmm. It had to be cool. You know, because we look up to the celebrities and the athletes because they break the mold. Very few of us get to escape our reality and actually live our dreams. But what if I could create systems and I could repurpose my code to instead of serving gimmicky, you know, uh, uh, values? What if I could reuse those same algorithms on this code to create something else? So ironically, like I was sitting in a Starbucks one time, mm -hmm. which I never go to because I don't drink coffee. <laughs> yeah, I was um, gonna say. <laughs> but, but something to I, I had left. I've I've always been a librarian, right? Like mm -hmm. I always love going to. So I went to the Levy Library, you know, at USC on on Figueroa. Mm -hmm. Something told me to go to the Starbucks. I go into the Starbucks. I sit down, and I'm literally modifying this software that I'm telling you about. This was the ACDI software that he was working on, just coding in a Starbucks on Fig when Nipsey came in because his daughter had to use the bathroom. So good thing Idris did not have a laptop privacy screen because Nipsey spies what he's working on. Mm -hmm. I'm coding it, literally, like modifying it. And then in comes, you know, Nipsey Hustle. Yeah. And then he paces back and forth four times, sees what I'm doing on my computer, and eventually is like, yo... 
this is so crazy like what you're doing and he is, he approaches me in a very respectful way mm-hmm. he's like sir could you tell me what you're doing and i'd let him know what i was doing and then we came together and we created the marathon store Nipsey described the concept of the store in 2017 on LA's Power 106 radio. Well, it's basically, um, there's going to be an app that you can download to activate the smart features of the store. It's going to be the Marathon Store app. And basically, you know, um, when you walk into the store, there's going to be tags that, you know, going to have content. So tags of the um, clothing. So a certain shirt, right, will promote the shirt. And it'll be a piece of content that's programmed specifically to this shirt. So that, you know, when the shirt drops, you get the shirt, but then you also get a piece of content that's not on iTunes. That's not on YouTube. That is dope. That's not in the cloud. In the interview, he also praises Idris a bunch for his vision and advocates for more kids learning STEM. And the two of them working together created not just a landmark in the Crenshaw district of Los Angeles, but on the whole commercial landscape. Um, which would go on to inspire a whole culture of artists, uh, performers, um, uh, you know, to think differently about their brand and how they can use technology to enhance it. 21 Savage, right? Who's known as like, you know, I'm sure you know who 21 yeah, Savage yeah. is. He's like notoriously known as like a rapper, right? Mm-hmm. But I'm 21 for L, ain't no way I'm gonna switch. He did a collaboration with Spotify on machine learning. After after he came in and saw that we were using artificial intelligence and geofencing to deliver music exclusively to the fans without the need of a middle of middle people he was inspired to go do a machine learning collaboration with spotify where they had this app that you would just hold your phone he has this like famous tagline "Issa." it's a knife mm-hmm. so you would just hold your phone over different parts or uh, different objects the machine learning algorithm would automatically uh, detect <laughs> what it is and it would say what it was so it would be like <laughs> It's a cup. It's a hat. It's a this. And I thought it was so genius because that's what's going to get more kids and that's what's going to gravitate more people to getting into technology. So, I mean, to answer your question, those are the two things or the two pivotal moments like, you know, in my pre like 20s where mm-hmm. like I felt like it w- that really changed it for me. Understanding that I could repurpose my code from going to creating a, a, a platform called ACDI, Autonomous Collision Detection Interface, which mm-hmm. I pitched to a company like Uber to repurposing that same code and creating a system for you know musicians to be able to DJ using their hands and then meeting Nipsey Hussle. <laughs> oh my God. Nipsey passed away on March 31st, 2019 from gunshot wounds sustained in the parking lot of the Marathon store. He was 33. 20,000 mourners showed up at his memorial at Staples Center in L.A. and lined a nearly marathon-length funeral procession through the streets of Los Angeles. And Nipsey was an outspoken advocate for peace and for opportunity and for learning, and he had actually been due the next day to meet with community members about reducing gang violence in his beloved neighborhood. And what was it like working with him, too? Mm. Nipsey... um he he's just an amazing he was and is um uh, an amazing human being and um i think where I, whereas like past political black leaders gave us like political power mm-hmm. he was all about economic empowerment and giving you economic power there's three things that you need to change a community you need um you need uh buying power you need economic power and you need political power mm-hmm. but political power and buying power need a resource to be able to they need a fuel and that is economic power so that's what his messaging was and i think 
it all makes sense to me now how everything happened and the reason why he chose me to really like and it highlighted me and went so hard for me because he knew I was go like one of the only people around him in his circle that could articulate the full complexity of how his mind worked and how deep it went. Mm -hmm. This was not no ordinary rapper. This was not no ordinary person. This man understood a lot of things and had he been here i would i i feel very comfortable putting him part apart with being like our modern day jay-z mm -hmm. you know in terms of cultural influence um but yeah i mean you know he was my brother uh protector um we traveled the world together we did a lot of amazing things together um and we'll you know just going to continue working but to answer your question like it was a very amazing lovely uh uh time spent with him yeah i'm so sorry for your for the loss on that his accused assailant, a former childhood friend, was arrested two days after the murder and awaits trial. Nipsey Hussle went on to win multiple Grammys posthumously earlier this year. Something that is that's really striking about you is you are you're so obviously like focused and passionate about what you do, and you're also so good at having an opportunity and taking full advantage of it. You know, of 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 showing up when the opportunity kind of knocks, mm. and um. You know, do you, are you ever called to give advice to people who, um, you know, are, are, have less confidence or mm. aren't sure that they could accomplish anything near what you have? Asking for myself because I will shamelessly take any and all advice this dude has to offer, but also for, you know, the youth, Gen Z's and beyond. Yeah, I mean, I think even now, like I was just reading a Wall Street Journal article earlier about how like the coronavirus is going to shape, is going to literally shift the paradigm for an unfinished generation's uh, social skills. Gen C, like these kids that are now eight, nine, ten, uh, or even like five or six, they're going to completely grow up in a completely different world now because of coronavirus, you know, and so what it means to be social is going to be di different what it means to interact facetiming or video calling or even volumetric like you know uh, certain things have to happen for us to go into new ages of time mm -hmm. right scientists had to try and get us to the moon and you know create a new technology and mistakenly create microwave and now we all have micro <laughs> microwaves in our house that scene in star wars a new hope where you have princess leia you know r2d2 projecting her hologram mm -hmm. and her telling obi-wan kenobi help obi-wan kenobi you're our only hope mm -hmm. for us to get to that level for us to get to the shift certain things needed to take place in the world and so ultimately like i'm a huge spiritualist and stuff so what i tell like people around me whether it's now in terms of advice or whatever or in the past is like there's always a blessing behind every single thing that happens mm -hmm. and when we talk about that hologram age in recent events what's going on in the world what's happening right now is going to force that to happen now because mm -hmm. we're going to have to rethink media. Magic Leap, the company that makes those like, you know, mixed reality goggles and HoloLens are mm -hmm. going to be way more powerful and, and needed now. Right. Mm -hmm. When you, uh, you know, ask me, like, what advice do I give to people? It's th the advice is simply just be dynamic. Even when I have like kids come up to me, like what programming languages? I feel that if I tell children, if I tell young kids what programming languages they should they should enforce, especially when those kids coming up to me are like minorities. Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm not giving them the right information. The right information for me to say to those kids would be 
learn how to be dynamic because one programming language is not going to be it. You know, new programming language will be created, but you know what won't be new? Your ability to dynamically think. Mm. Train that muscle in your brain to be able to be adaptable. Teaching kids the importance of not only just, you know, going to the river and giving them a fishing rod, but also letting them know that they might not be able to fish all year round, even if they have a fishing rod. <laughs> so teaching yeah. them how to go to other beaches and other oceans to fish and how to identify the flow of current and when fish are coming and when they're not coming, teaching them the high levels, right? Thinking about it very dynamically, thinking about how to help the youth in such a way that it's not a now. So my advice is really centered around balance and, and, and not even the future, but balance, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Information of the current is by default already information of the past. As we're communicating right now, the things we're saying, the things we're talking about right now, even if I was to mention a new technology that has a six-week shelf life, a year from now, we got all new iPhones, and then we're talking about something else. You know, yeah, So it's yeah. like my advice <laughs> to any kid or anyone, really, uh, I feel like we're all kids. We're all children in the most respectful and honorable way. We are all children, and children are the most creative people, and I believe we all want to be considered creative. Idris says that we must all accept that we are children and keep learning and asking questions, which, you know, I love. Now, speaking of asking questions, we're about to ask questions submitted by folks on patreon.com slash ologies. But before we do, each episode we donate to a charity or a cause of the ologist choosing. And Idris is actually building a youth center and a school on land that he's just purchased in Ghana. So we'll see to it that that donation goes straight toward that incredible work. And that donation was made possible by sponsors of the podcast, who you may hear about now. This podcast and my life is brought to you by Squarespace. Do you know that I didn't have a website for forever because I was putting it off because I was scared? And then I heard another podcast talk about Squarespace. I was like, I'm going to give it a shot. I had a website up that day. They have beautiful templates. They host. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Look at me. Even I did it. You can sell products. You can sell your time. They have this guided design system. It's called Squarespace Blueprint. You can select from a layout. There are styling options. You can get your website discovered with these integrated optimized SEO tools so people find you when they Google. They also have easy to use payment tools so checkout, very easy for customers, which is what you want. There's also Squarespace AI which can help you explain what your site is about. You can choose your tone. Whether you're a scientist who wants to share your work with the world, whether you are starting up a business selling tiny paintings of tiny books or a choreographer selling dance classes, head to squarespace.com for a free trial and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com slash ologies to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or a domain. I recommend it to all my friends even when I'm not recording an ad. Okay. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Listen, we're all carrying around just a backpack of stressors and sadnesses. When we keep them all zipped up and the load gets heavier, it can start to affect us negatively. You start to feel misunderstood, sad, resentful. A safe place to unpack that is, you guessed it, Therapy. Therapists can help you dump out your bag and work through the heavy garbage that's weighing you down, in my case at least. I've used BetterHelp. They have definitely helped me understand that pushing my feelings down does not actually make them go away. It makes them feel worse. So if you've been thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient and flexible. It's suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. It's so much faster and easier 
easier than trying to hunt down a therapist from just online listings and cold calling. That's one thing I love about BetterHelp. And if for any reason you're not vibing with your therapist, you can switch anytime, no additional charge no drama. So unburden yourself and trauma dump onto someone who's trained for this. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash ologies today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash ologies. Oh, Kiwiko. We love you. Kids love you. Parents love you. Uncle Allie's love you. Here's the deal. So whether you're staying at home or you're heading out on some summer explorations, KiwiCo is inviting kids, also kids at heart, that's you, to enjoy their first ever summer adventure series. So kids from two years old to teens can receive six hands-on science and art project kits over six weeks. They have something for everyone. They have different topics for each age, whether your kid wants to explore space or learn about dinosaurs. And I've heard from my parental friends that summer can be a little challenging to keep the kids busy. Kiwiko's like, we did the legwork for you. And the Summer Adventure Series is this personalized experience with super fun activities like a bottle rocket kit where kids can build an actual bottle rocket. And you can either receive all of your summer adventure crates at once or weekly for six weeks. I think it's so amazing that they have different crates for different ages. Everything from the great outdoors that has like giant bubbles or a window garden to a trebuchet kit for ages 9 to 14. An entrepreneur where you can do textured clay projects. If you have kids, if you know kids, keep them occupied and learning and having fun this summer with KiwiCo. And you can get 20% off your summer adventure series at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. That's 20% off your summer adventure at kiwico.com slash ologies summer. Oh, have fun. Oh, hi, it's me, the lady that checks a bunch of scholarly articles before she believes anything. Allie Ward. And I feel like we are similar in that we have a fair amount of skepticism and we like to dive deep and find out what the actual facts are. This is why when it comes to any kind of supplements, I enjoy Ritual, which is a female-founded B Corp, meaning that they're holding themselves accountable to not just the company, but also to the health of people in our planet. And they're clinically backed essential for women at 18 plus multivitamin has these high quality, traceable key ingredients in bioavailable forms that are clean. Only about 1% of supplement brands are USP verified and Ritual is one of them. So I like being able to trust what I'm putting in my body. From an aesthetic standpoint, I'll also tell you that Ritual are beautiful little vitamins. They look like lava lamps and they taste like mint. So taking my Ritual is part of my, I guess, morning ritual. I, that's probably why they named it that and I didn't even think about it. Anyway, no more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. So get 25% off your first month at ritual.com slash ologies. You can start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash ologies for 25% off. Down the hatch. Okay. On to your questions. Can I ask you a few questions from listeners who knew that you were coming on? Yes, of course, please. Yes. Cool? Oh, okay, I'll question. run through them like lightning round. Um, Michelle Jacobs wants to know if you have a favorite programming language and why, or if you have a few that you'd break down to sort of tell people to start looking at. Yeah, um, I mean, personally, I mean, I, I started off with Java. Mm -hmm. And Java is one of the most, you know, it's not only just one of the oldest programming languages that we still currently use today, but more importantly, it's a programming language that is like the grandfather of all other programming languages, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's different forms of programming languages. There's different languages and then there's different, like, broken versions of those languages, right? So you think of like English and then there's like the British English, then there's the American English, then there's like Patois, you know? Mm -hmm. 
and then there's like broke pigeon English, right? Mm -hmm. um, and in programming, there's a, a very wide array for different applications of what you're doing. There are like array languages. Mm -hmm. um, they're like assembly. There, there's just so many. There's compiled uh, languages. Okay, I looked it up. And Wikipedia lists over 50 types of programming languages. How exciting! Why are there so many? It depends on what you're what you're doing, but personally, my one of my favorite programming languages is not Java. Actually, that's just a language I started with. I really love C. I love C sharp. Okay. Um, and the reason why I love C sharp is obviously it has way more memory advantages and speed improvements over Java. But the thing I love about C most importantly is because it's really widely accepted. I can compile that on my Mac computer running like boot camp or running parallel desktop um, side by side with the computer. And uh, platforms that I, in the past, that I've used a lot of, like uh, uh, Unity, which is a game engine for a lot of visualizations we've created in the past, we've built them in Unity um, using C Sharp. So I love, love, love C Sharp. C Sharp is one of my favorite languages, but there's a new pro programming language that Google created called Flutter that mm -hmm. I love so much. Because <laughs> I've been using a lot of Facebook React Native. Okay. So there's Facebook has two major programming languages. One is called React and one is called React Native. And by the way, this is a no, another moment for me to go back to what I was saying about to build your own software, build your own hardware. Yeah. Facebook has their own programming language. It's called <laughs> Facebook React, which is, it's, and it's, well, you know, before people grill me, because I know this is gonna happen, let me just reiterate and say, I know that Facebook React is not a programming language and it's a library, okay. but it's pretty much a programming language. We can agree to disagree. It's pretty much a language. It's, it's a JavaScript library, but it is a programming language as it's currently used. Okay, from what I gather, Bootcamp, side note, is a software that helps install Windows OS on Macintosh computers, which, like other types of Bootcamp, sounds like a sweaty endeavor. And a library is a bunch of reusable programming routines that a coder can grab so they don't have to physically type all of that source code out. Like, they know what it does and what to use. So, you know, you can copy and paste the basics to avoid needing, like, bionic wrists to peck out all those ding-dang backslashes and such. So these shortcuts are valuable, given that experienced programmers can make upward of a hundred bucks an hour, in case you're interested in learning to code. Yeah, I had been using a lot of Facebook React Native, and the difference between React and React Native is one of them is like, a, it's simply in layman's term, it's just a web browser being hosted on a, in an app form, and the other allows you to use native components um, that are that are native uh, to device specifics, like having Android or iOS. Um, but not to confuse anybody, let's just keep it like basic. I think my favorite language is C Sharp. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's amazing. That's so good to know. There were some people who were asking questions about Python, um, like uh, Anna Valerie asked, any tips or tricks learning coding as a, quote, old dog? Um, yeah. I wasn't taught R in high in school, and I'm finding myself needing it for positions in my field. And then some people were saying, start with Python. Python, by the by, it was born in 1991, and it's known for having really readable code and a big library. So you can grab existing source code from the community and modify it. And it's used for websites and desktop applications, also for really complicated data analysis, and backend developers use it to communicate database information to the browser. And after many years, Python 2 just got retired, and a new version of 3.9 was just released. So, is Python uh, like a better trick for old dogs? 
Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I think Python is. I mean, it's mostly used as a back end programming language. Okay. Um. Uh, so th there's you know th there's different forms of programmers. There's a front end, there's back end, and there's full stack. Right. So front end basically is going to be more of your HTML, CSS, React, Flutter. Um. You know, relating to how the app is going to look, all the different programming languages, the animations, and everything communicating precisely with each other. Um from a front-end perspective. Okay. Back-end is usually like Python, you know, Node.js, like all the things on the back-end. So you think about servers, a lot of servers are using Python, like, oh, let's pair it with like a Linux virtual machine or a virtual system and then run it from there. Mm -hmm. um, so for anybody that's, you know, that feels quote unquote, that they're, that they're like, you know, older and they missed a lot, um, there's never been a more exciting time to get into programming like there is now. Um, I remember, you know, I'm 22, but I remember being 11 years old, having to go to a library and read books there. And now with just, there's so many free courses online. There's platforms like Udemy, there's Khan Academy, there's Treehouse um, that teach you Java from start to finish, that teach you Swift, which is Apple's official programming language that I think a lot of people should start learning. And Does Idris like Swift? Be honest, Idris. I'm not going to say it's easy or not, but uh, you know, it's like, you know, I personally don't like it too much, but I, I do know it um, because I like to build cross platform apps. Um, mm -hmm. If I just build one app that's iOS and one app that's Android, that's double the work. So I like to create like that's why I love C Sharp and uh, or Facebook React, which allows you to code once deployed to all. Okay. Um, but I will say for anybody that feels like, you know, they're late or whatever, the three program languages, if I had to give any, I would say to, to look out for are Swift, um, which is Apple's official programming language um, that runs within their IDE called Xcode. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Java, which runs inside Android Studios, which is Google's official IDE, which is powered by IntelliJ and uh, JetBrains. And then I also say Facebook React, which is created and maintained by Facebook, the community. And more importantly, React Native, which gives you access to even more native components. Okay, three. And then uh, one more, actually, I would also add in Python. Okay. Yeah, because okay. a lot of machine learning stuff, I mean, when you're training data sets, when you're getting into machine learning, which I think more apps will start tapping into, Python is the language that you'll be using for a lot of those things. So okay. four languages, Python, Facebook, React, Java, Swift. Okay, four. Got it. And actually, I lied. Five programming languages. <laughs> so, so Facebook, React, Native, Swift, Java. Which one did I miss? Uh, yes. So Swift. C -sharp? Yeah, yeah. C Sharp, Swift, uh, Facebook, React, uh, Java, mm -hmm. and, Python. And, and Python. All right, then. Five. Five. And then I'll also add <laughs> Flutter. Flutter. Okay. <laughs> because there's no, there's a lot, there's a lot, right? There's like so many. Flutter is a new uh, programmer language that hasn't had too much adoption, but it's, it's so promising. And I think it might be able to re replace uh, Facebook React. And Flutter is a programming language uh, created and maintained by Google's community, which is very similar to, you know, um, you know, Facebook React. Um, but yeah, those would be my, my top picks. That's okay. amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, like your number one, but by, by one, we mean six, which is 
just same. <laughs> just amazing. Right, my number one to like because you also don't want to like you know one thing I, I don't like like you know what works for me might not work for somebody else right so giving people like the languages that I feel like are not going anywhere right mm-hmm, um, yeah that they should know now <laughs> yeah that's amazing that's such good advice um so that's six we got six Python Facebook React Flutter Java Swift and Idris's secret darling C sharp. I love this question from Me Handlebars. First time question asker wants to know what is the most cringy depiction of programming you've seen in mainstream media? And did anyone ever get it right? Have you ever seen programmers depicted in a movie or TV where you're like, oh, come on? Yeah, I mean, I think the funniest thing <laughs> is like, and you know, the tech community will understand this when like somebody's like writing a syntax or in a terminal on a computer and they literally, I don't know if you'll be able to hear this, but then they do this. Yeah. <laughs> it's like <laughs> no programmer <laughs> works that way. And this is like an internal joke. We know, we all, you know, we get up, we stretch, uh, then we crack our fingers and we're like, what should I create today? And next thing you know, you're on GitHub looking at other people's code and copying and pasting it into yours. <laughs> so it's like, we know we all don't like just be like typing like that. But um, I mean, I think the, the media obviously is always going to do like you know top gun right they brought like the guy from you know a real air force yeah pilot to come in and be like what you think about top gun what you think they brought a a pilot to review call of duty uh for battlefield or something about that scene where like the the plane he's like that would never happen that would never happen (laughs) but i think like it's so funny yo it's it's humorous and i mean bill gates himself said and i i mean i'm not from silicon valley but i go there a lot and Bill Gates said like shows like Silicon Valley are they do a very good job at portraying you know like what tech is but I think about like Mr. Robot and all these other you know like Mm -hmm. shows um yeah probably that's that's my uh (laughs) most cringy thing you would expect it because again I'm a very unconventional Mm -hmm. architect or designer I'm not gonna give you like the tabs or spaces do you use tabs or spaces when you program like those are like to me the corny ones that everyone expects you to say but for me it's really just like how the reality of being a programmer is you're always learning just like the english language you're learning new words all day and anyone that comes up and tells you that they know everything and i mean i'll be wary of that i'm learning a lot i even sometimes google things or go on youtube um the difficulty is majority of the times that i'm trying to uh, that i'm doing my best to program something it's not something that's referenced on the internet because i'm trying to do something completely new yeah <laughs> but yeah. so it kind of sucks but uh yeah like that's been one of the most cringe worthy things like we're just seeing how it it sensationalizes this idea of developers or programmers almost not having a soul mm-hmm. and being very like machine-like and yeah. you know like you know no we 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 take breaks and go use the restroom and come back and then don't finish our code because we don't know what to do next and then go it's not always like oh yeah i don't you know so it's like <laughs> that's what i would say and of course you can trust computer people to just roast each other online i don't know if you've seen like the memes around like the starter kits Oh no, I haven't. Like the the, the programmer started kit, uh, a monitor that's curved. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> lining the mobile computer, not using a regular mouse, but getting like those old, you know, track like the ones that have the ball. Yeah. The, the mouse that uh, book for dummies, like <laughs> of, on every programmer language in front of them, uh, or like a Mac Pro or something yeah. like that. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh yeah, programmer starter kit. You know, I'm gonna make a meme about that and post it later. Actually. You <laughs> Heads up, this question and answer killed me dead. 
And last last uh, listener question, Mads Clement wants to know, what's the silliest thing that you've ever coded? Like a ridiculous website, just something like so stupid that you just really wanted to make? Uh, I remember this one time I was developing an app for a client and then I put an Easter egg in the, uh, in the right corner. So you would have to like, lo- I think you would long press it, tap it twice again and then long press it again. Mm-hmm. And um, it, would, it was just like this this Kanye uh, meme that would pop up and he'll be like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> Was it for Kanye? <laughs> no, it was, it was not for Kanye. But uh, it, was, it was for like a huge known person. Um, and then like, I was like, hey, did you know there's an Easter egg in this app? And you're like, hey. It was, it was just so funny to me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think what I love about programming is like, no matter what language you're using, the ability to like comment in line. Mm-hmm. And I think um, when I when I think of clean code, which I'm, I'm a very clean coder, right? There's just been too much emphasis, especially because a lot of this parts of these codes or algorithms that are being developed by specific people are, it's like a production line. It's being, it's like, you know, you see people standing next to each other and then they're like handing one box to another. Mm-hmm. Um, so you want to type your code and you want to comment in line in the most concise, brief way and make it really understandable. But sometimes I'd be like, man, I want to drop a code. I want to drop a, uh, I want to <laughs> drop an inline comment slash slash, you know, forward slash forward slash. Uh, this is just some dope that I wrote. Let me know when you see it. You know, because I think like we, as programmers, that's why the world never appreciates programmers because they're so anal and they're so like machine-like in terms of orchestration and I get it, you know? But I think we can, that's what I feel like I'm here to do. I'm here to show people that like, I'm a jack of so many different trades. I am a jack of many trades and confined by none, you know? I don't desire to be a master of any, but I neither decide to be confined by none. So like, you you know, I I feel like I've been put on this earth to show people like, yes, I'm an architect that can design like an experience for Kanye and do stage designs and build Snoop Dogg store, but I can collaborate with Fenty and Prada and IBM on other projects and make it okay. Make that the new norm. I know I'm not the, there's people that might be listening to this and be like, he's not a conventional programmer or, you know, whatever they, they might like say about this. But one thing that they can't say is, wow, he's so multi-crafted and multi-faceted. He is, you know, part of the new renaissance of being, you know, multi-faceted. Mm-hmm. And I should be too, right? Let We can talk about music, but go to tech. And then from tech, go to art. That should be a norm, right? Artists, music artists, fashion designers should be working with programmers. In fact, for the last 20 years, what I've personally like seen, <laughs> you know, like at being 22, mm-hmm. uh, in, in terms of just history, um, is that the people that are making the most impact are the people that started off doing something and did something completely different. Tinker Hatfield designed pretty much every popular Jordan shoe that ever came out. He has an architecture background. Virgil Abloh. I didn't know that. Yeah, Virgil Abloh has an architecture background. You know, um, like, so Adam Driver was a Marine. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, yeah. The, yeah just a bee of renaissance. Like, it's yeah. okay. <laughs> That's such good advice. What is the most annoying thing about what you do or about programming what is the one thing that just like ah, like just a real bee in your bonnet what what just really pisses you off um i think 
Uh, probably because I, I mean, my work requires me to have a Mac as well as a Windows machine. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, for example, when I'm working with like big data or, uh, like right now we're working on a hyper realistic, um, we're, we're essentially building a hyper realistic visual operating system. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the number one reason why people haven't been able to connect with Siri and Google Assistant and all those things is because unlike human interaction, there's uh, there's a lot of physical or the notion of a physical person behind the person you're interacting with, right? Mm. So even though I haven't met you in person, I do know that there's a person somewhere based off of everything else I've seen in the world that is communicating with me right now. Yeah. <laughs> I think when we talk to programming, I mean, when we talk to like these assistants, it's very, very, very linearly. And so we're creating an operating system that's basically a visual AI system. Um, And so like in that case, for example, like I have a Windows computer and a Mac computer. My Mac, I have like the 2020 Mac with 32 gigs of RAM and a GeForce. It has a, a, sorry, it has like an NVIDIA something. I don't know, like a, I mean, you have an ADM, uh, AMD Radeon Pro (laughs) 5000. Right, with eight <laughs> gigs of video storage, but I'm at the same Google time, Google all these so hard <laughs> later right? to be like, oh wow, that was pretty big. <laughs> right, but at the same time, like I have a desktop that has two uh, GeForce RTX 2080 Ti chipsets, and those are, by the way, the GeForce RTX 2080 Ti is the most powerful graphics card you can buy right now. Oh my god. Um, and so I have two of those to, and, and it's still lagging because we want to, uh, we want to render out the frames in 4k, um, mm-hmm. in real time. Okay. So it's like, you know, th- for me to answer the thing about cringe worthiness is, uh, um, or things that like kind of bother me going from windows to computer, knowing that the key bindings and the key layouts are diff are separate. Uh-huh. Um, and at sometimes like I'll be on my windows computer for like a week and then not open my Mac at all, then go back to my Mac and then I <laughs> forget how to do certain things because I'm like, why is this not working? Yeah. The muscle you memory know? is like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's like, you know, um, That's sometimes so my brain is processing things on such a high level that it forgets to think slow and think <laughs> down. So I'm like, oh, uh, how do I eat? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, joking. I take really good care of my body, actually. <laughs> um, I, I, can, I can imagine because your, your brain has to be so quick that you can't just like be kind of the trite, like a programmer drinking like a two liter of Mountain Dew and a fistful of Cheetos, like your brain probably wouldn't work as well on that, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I'm I'm very my my science teacher in high school. She would always she always used to tell me that uh the brain was not meant to multitask, according to what she said. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> you know, it's like you you know we can we're only good at efficiently doing things one time and. Um, the truth to that is realizing that I read an article that said it takes an average around uh, 15 to 22 minutes for your brain to regain peak focus after you're distracted for something. Oh. So I feel like there, you know, sometimes we just be trying to do so much and then we forget to, to, to focus on one thing and complete and go on to the next. Not because we, we're confining ourselves and not because we're not capable of processing all that information, um, but because when we get to focus and then create something, our brain is operating within its highest peak. Um, so yeah, I mean, for me, it's like, it's really just always about like just that peak level focus, right? And um, understanding like, you know, I have a lot of time in this world, um, inshallah, like to do a lot of things. Um, 
you know uh, so yeah like you know just pacing mm-hmm. <laughs> just pacing <laughs> do you ever have to turn your phone off while you're working on new apps absolutely yeah okay I have like you know <laughs> I'm releasing I'm releasing a new single tomorrow um, it's my first debut like song and oh my God. Uh, it's gonna be like a really exciting moment for me but I, I, I was texting my friend Jaden yesterday, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, because Kid Cudi recently was like, Jaden Smith, like, uh, <laughs> is uh, Luke Skywalker. So I hit him up yesterday. I was, but I only mentioned that to say, like, when I posted it on my Instagram, and by the way, I just followed you too. Oh, but yeah, like, I'll follow you back. <laughs> when I went on uh, uh, the Instagram, mm-hmm. and then I posted the screenshot of, like, the text with Jaden, people hit me, because it showed that I had 230 un, uh, oh, unread no. messages. And we were like, what? You're gonna da, 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 it turn into this whole thing, but no, absolutely, do not just DODs be on uh, all the time. Okay, <laughs> this is like very uh, inspiring to me. It's, me yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, and I do want to get better at that, but I mean, again, too, I, I think about how yeah, I, I love to give people full attention, and 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 I also think too, just in the state that I'm in, I would rather work hard now so later I don't have to. Mm. Um, and I think a lot of people prefer the other; they want to you know, live their fountain of youth and then work later. No, I want to be like, you know, I'm 22 now mm-hmm. in eight years. I want to retire nice. and just go around <laughs> the world building more schools like what we're working on in Ghana right now. And, you know, uh, uh, building shelters and uh, changing how cities are built from an infrastructural level, using and leveraging AI, you know, in agriculture to be able to, you know, let uh, farmers know what, seeds or what crop should be in rotation using AI metrics you know these are the things that I want to do later in life so I'm working my butt off now oh. um, so I don't have to like later oh my gosh that's amazing and this is always my last question but it's gonna be hard for you to answer I think but uh, what is your favorite thing about what you do like what do you love the most about your career and your job and your yeah the connection to God and the universe um, to me is really important and really how Every single thing that I'm doing in my life is for the next person because I know that's why I'm here. I'm not here to, you know, like if it was about a numbers game, you know, just as from from a 22 year old's perspective, like I'm already there. You know, if it was about working with Kanye or Rihanna or, you know, whoever it was, um, I'm already there. Mm -hmm. Um, But if it's about what really keeps me filled with humility is if it's really about humanity then I haven't even scratched the surface. Wow. So that keeps you going a lot. Yes. You're doing so much just amazing stuff. You're such an inspiration. I mean, I... Also, here's where I confess that I was petrified to interview him because I know nothing about programming. And in terms of cool factor, he might be the coolest person literally on planet Earth, just objectively, scientifically speaking. He's so smart. He's so accomplished. I don't even know what to ask. So thank you oh, for no, being I, so gracious. Thank you. And, and and thank you. I really appreciate these moments, too, because it, it humanizes technology. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think oftentimes, like even in the conventional programming mindset, like, you know, programmers or people are so quick to like tell programmers that they're introverted and tell them that they're they, they're bionic and they don't act human or whatever. But. Um, I want to be that representation for people to know like, hey, we can have conversations about, about you know, neural networks. We can have conversations about AI. We can have conversations about programming languages and keep it very, very simple to where everyone can understand it, but mm-hmm. humanize it in a way that it doesn't feel intimidating. Absolutely. I like to consider myself as a, I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I didn't go to, I didn't go to college, you know, it's like, I'm a very unconventional everythinger. 
mm-hmm. unconventional student, <laughs> everything, or I just made that word up. Uh, <laughs> unconventional student, unconventional programmer. Yes, I don't program the same way everyone does, but I my way is what makes me me. Mm-hmm. You know, and your way is what makes you you. And never let anyone take that away from you. Oh, such amazing advice. You're doing such amazing things. It's it's honestly such an honor to to get to talk to you. I'm just like and we'll see. Oh, you better get that before it turns into <laughs> no. another message. No, sorry. <laughs> get it was like my phone. <laughs> Do not disturb. I thought I told you to turn. I'm gonna reprogram my iPhone after this call. Like <laughs> Xcode. I'm I'm opening up Xcode right now. You know, like I'm about to disable <laughs> the kernel <laughs> for Siri. <laughs> so ask smart people just the stupidest questions because that is the only way we learn. And also, look, they're so kind and so patient. Even if you haven't seen Iron Man. And in Idris's words, he says, we must not make the same mistakes those before us made. We must remember to be inclusive, diverse, and help everyone else around us because we are one race, the human race. So get more Idris in your life. You can follow him on Instagram at Idris Sandu or Twitter at Idris underscore Sandu. You can check out his TEDx talk and you can gawk over some of his work at spatiallabs.io. We are at Ologies on Twitter and Instagram. I'm Allie Ward with one L on both. And there will be links to the sponsors and more on Idris's work up at AllieWard.com slash Ologies slash Architectural Technology. That link is right in the show notes, of course. Ramadan Mubarak to all those observing it. And happy birthday to the wonderful Shannon Feltis, who is our merch queen alongside her sister, Bonnie Dutch. They host the comedy podcast, You Are That. And thank you, Aaron Talber, for adminning the Facebook group. To Caleb Patton, who makes bleep episodes available. Those alongside of transcripts are up at alleyward.com slash ologies dash extras. Link in the show notes. Emily White heads up the transcription efforts. Thank you to everyone working on those. Thank you to Noelle Dilworth for all the scheduling help. The very kind and athletic Jarrett Sleeper of MindJam Media for assistant editing and the beep boops that keep our code together. Stephen Ray Morris of the kitty themed percast and the dino-themed podcast, See Jurassic Right, for lead editing. Uh, Nick Thorburn of the band Islands wrote and performed the theme music. If you stick around to the end of the episode, you know I tell you a secret. And this week's secret is that we are in, I think, week eight of isolation. And I have not uh, cleaned out the closet that I have been meaning to clean out since uh, day one. I think about it every day. Among the items in that closet is a 15-year-old external hard drive with a bunch of pictures. And I had to order like six dongles in order for it to hook up to my computer. I'm thrilled. I'm terrified. What's going to be on that? Who's to say? Stay tuned. Okay. Be nice to yourself. You're cool. Bye-bye. Hackadermatology. Homeology. Cryptozoology. Litology. technology, Meteorology. I met him on Fig mm-hmm. at Starbucks. Hey, everybody. It's Rob Lowe here. If you haven't heard, I have a podcast that's called Literally with Rob Lowe. And basically, it's conversations I've had that really make you feel like you're pulling up a chair at an intimate dinner between myself and people that I admire, like Aaron Sorkin or Tiffany Haddish, Demi Moore, Chris Pratt, Michael J. Fox. There are new episodes out every Thursday, so subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts.